Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Hope all of you are well and safe. We're back better than ever. And how are you, my friend? Good, man. I'm good. It's happy that football season is upon us. You can smell it. You can feel it. You can you can imagine the the pad popping quarterback screaming referee screwing calls like it just all about it man it's all all, all the feels i like to say all, all the, feels, the feels all the feels you know we had a little college football little quote unquote week zero yeah wow. this weekend we're gonna have our uh, a deeper slate of game for week one but we'll get to that on the back end of this show but let's lead in the 2023 nfl season We'll kick off next week at Arrowhead with defending champs, Chiefs, opening against Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. But I want to lead in. We'll give our little predictions here, and when and I'll lean in with this, and then and get your feedback on the back end. When I look at this season, like most seasons, everyone says, "Oh, it, it feels open, and it feels like it, it. It truly is." But let's face the facts. If we're, if we're talking about serious Super Bowl contending teams, I think we can whittle that number down to maybe t- 10. And then maybe you can, you can push you can push 12, 13. Realistically, you know, there's only so many contenders you can have in general. But when I look at this season, Chris, the, the biggest question is, is about the Chiefs. Well, one of the bigger questions, I should say. It feels like a dynasty. If Kansas City, even if they don't, if they make it back to the Super Bowl, it's the third Super Bowl in five years. It's interesting to me, and I, when you look at the Colts, excuse me, when you look at this, the Chiefs, it's all built around Patrick Mahomes. You look at their wide receiving core, which we'll talk about when we do fantasy as, as the season progresses. Like, when you look at they're going to their season as Kadarius Tony as they're likely their number one guy. And people are like, it's like we look around the league, it's like, well, Kadarius known as a number one. And the other teams, he'd probably be like a number two. Some other teams maybe a number three. But he but that's how this Chiefs offense is built. But when I look at this season, I look at those contenders, I just feel this season, it's all about who can stop Kansas City. And more importantly, who can kind of be that surprise team like how the Bengals were a couple of seasons ago. Because I feel there's one or two in my head. A team that no one no one no one had Cincinnati going to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They came out of nowhere. And I feel like there's one or two teams that have has that potential to do so. But but I'll lean in and I'll just start with just my we'll start with the MVP my MVP prediction. This to me is a to me it's a three it's a it's a three to four quarterback race. I look at Mahomes. I look at. I also kind of throw in. I throw in Joe Burrow. I throw in Lamar Jackson. I and and to me, I, I like Justin Herbert. But to me, a guy that's really interesting. And if you're you know if you like betting and all that stuff, you know you could throw something down on Trevor Lawrence in the conversation. Ooh. And I say that because have you seen his division? Jeez. So, <laughs> so it's it's like he's not 
the best defense he's going to play in his division, maybe the Colts, because the Texans rebuilding, rebuilding their defense with DeMarco, you know, DeMarco Ryan, Rico Ryan. And you kind of look at the situation with Tennessee, they've always struggled against the pass. So if, 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 if you want to be risky and roll the dice, go Trevor Lawrence. But to me, if I had to put a solid person on it, I, I really like Lamar Jackson. And here's why. Okay. Okay. And, and here's my reason. And it's multiple reasons, but I'll make it I'll make it concise as I can. When you look at this Ravens team, this is probably and and to me the best set of skill players he's had around him since he's been in Baltimore. Because essentially, Ben, it was Lamar Jackson just making plays and making just – I don't want to say on the fly, but he had to generate his own offense, him and Mark Andrews. But now the team actually invested in Lamar, not just on the field, off the field. They bring in Todd Munkin. You know, they get rid of Greg Roman. They get Odell Beckham Jr. They draft Zay Flowers. You know, they're building something offensively. They're actually building around Lamar to make him. It's amazing to me to tell people that he's always been a passer. People are like, oh, people say he's the running quarterback. I say he's always been a pa-. The year he won MVP, by the way, he led the league in touchdown passes. I hate to remind people of that, but that's numbers don't lie. But that's one reason. I think the second reason, Chris, I think there's a chip on Lamar Jackson's shoulder because I, he still hears the talk. He still hears himself when they we talk about quarterbacks. Oh, Mahomes is better. A quarterback in his own division, Joe Burrow is better. People have people even have Justin Herbert better. And some people some people don't look at Lamar as a top five quarterback, which blows my mind. And I feel that when I look at their schedule, you know, it's I think he has something to prove. And those are the guys with the chips on their shoulder. Because I I can make a case for I can make a case for Patrick Mahomes. I can make a case for Joe Burrow. I can make a case. I kind of semi made a case for Trevor Lawrence. But I look at Lamar Jackson and I say, this is the best offense he's had. And I don't think it's hyperbole. I don't think it's nonsense. This is the best offense he's had. So I, I kind of give the nod to him. I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on the MVP race and how you how you see it in your eyes. Um, so I, you and I share a couple similarities there. We share the the safest bet is uh, is going to be Patrick Mahomes. If you're at the roulette table, your safest bet's the bet on the color, red or black. You know that you got a you literally got a fifty percent chance of winning. Um, Patrick Mahomes is that chip set on a roulette table. That's a, that's a safe bet. The guy is an animal. Um, you know, I was, I was actually, uh, I'm like an episode and a half in on that quarterbacks documentary on Netflix between him, Kirk, uh, your, 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 your favorite boy, Kirk cousins and, uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, what's his face? Marcus Mariota. Um, and, you know, I, I, I knew, and it made sense afterwards, I knew Patrick Mahomes 
was a baseball player but now watching that documentary and then watch it like it just it makes sense now of how he can pull these like shovel passes and like crossbody dumps and i mean he just he just like he's reminiscent of Derek jeter at shortstop but with a football and i think that that plays a huge factor as to why uh he he's so successful at it Another one that we mimic is um, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is another very safe bet. The dude puts up numbers. He's got an amazing team behind him. He's got a great support staff at running back, wide receivers, tight ends. You know, he's 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 got the package. Um, the other two that you discussed, uh, Lamar Jackson, I agree. I think he... This is going to be his revenge tour. Um, he's going to go out there and he he is going to play as good a football as Taylor Swift is at singing. And it's going to mimic things. It's a revenge tour. It's an angry, scorned person. And as annoying as Taylor Swift is on a microphone is going to be oh. as good as Lamar Jab. Sorry. Yeah. I, I can't. No, her music's god awful. And she ain't got no booty. She ain't got no cheeks, as you call it. She ain't got no cheeks. Don't, don't, don't use my words here. She got she got no cheeks. She is she is a negative equity in the cheek department. Yeah, no, no, no. equity and stocks. Terrific. I know we're giving um, financial as well. Yeah, you know, you know it, man. You know it. Um, you know, the wild card with Trevor Lawrence, I do agree with that. He does have a very easy division. Trevor Lawrence is playing in the mid-90s in the AL East when Boston was trash. The Rays were just an infant team. The 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 Blue Jays were garbage, and the Orioles were pretty much playing double A ball, and the Yankees just were just blow past everybody. Um, they have the same situation in Jacksonville. They're complete on all three sides of the ball: offense, defense, special teams. Um, like you said, Texans in their like fifteenth rebuilding year. Indy's really their only competition. Indy's the only team that they remotely have to worry about. And with Jonathan Taylor probably not playing this year, um, I think that worry gets to even go down another level to where they don't have to to the factor onto those things. Um, and then, like you said, with Tennessee, they Tennessee can't figure out how to stuff a run if if it was a pot pie. I mean, they are in a pass. They just, they can't do it. Um, now, my curveball... Like what your Trevor Lawrence is, is is your your gamble. There is a man that has already won the MVP. I think I know where this is going. You already know where this is going. And this man, you want to talk about a revenge tour? This is where it's going to be. Uh, this man is named Aaron Rodgers. Mr. Discount Double Jet is what we're going to call it now. I think Aaron Rodgers has the best capability to win the MVP this season. And here's why. Because now the MVP is, of course, about padding stats and and looking good on the field. But winning the MVP, like, it has, like, that fee. It has to have a little bit of that feel good. You know, with Patrick Mahomes, he w- it was the changing of the guard. Tom Brady was was stepping off the throne and, and, and going to Tampa – and here comes this young, hot gunsling and son of a gun that's 
just doing his thing out there, having a hard time keeping his alligators down. Woo! Figured I'd throw one WWE reference in there. Uh, mainly because I said son of a gun. But anyways, uh, so we have we have this, this Patrick Mahomes figure coming. It has like that feel-good story. And Aaron Rodgers has had that feel-good story in Green Bay. You know, Brett Favre steps down. He steps into the helm. Lamar Jackson literally just, just taking Baltimore on his back and just marching forward. And I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to really do it this season. Um, if you look at the situation, he had this this horrible breakup with with the Jets. and Or, excuse me, with, with the Packers. And it just spiraled out of control. He got a fat contract before. He didn't want to be there. And he, he, he made it known he didn't want to be there. And so him and Green Bay broke up. And fellas, a, a fair reminder, every time you treat your woman bad or any time you treat your significant other bad, there will be someone else that will eat chicken wings off her bare ass. And that is, you should see Ladarius's face right now. It's priceless, guys. <laughs> but on, 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 in all seriousness, and, and, and New York did that. Now, everyone came and talked about, oh, Aaron Rodgers is just chasing money and he's doing it for the cash and doing it for the quick payout and off with, off he's going to go. And then he takes a massive salary pay cut to essentially make room for more people, i.e. Dalvin Cook. He knew deep down inside he needed a power back and he needed someone who could catch a ball until Brees Hall gets back. Now, when Brees Hall gets back, he has arguably the best one-two running back combination probably in the history of the NFL and in, in, in all in all 100% honesty because he has a veteran know-how of Dalvin Cook that knows the offense and, and knows team defenses and he he is a dependable person and then he has a youthful exuberance of Brees Hall who's going to really be able to step up I think not only Aaron Rodgers game but Dalvin Cook's game and I think if if everything goes according to plan I think that Aaron Rodgers' chances of winning the MVP are going to be very high. He has Garrett Wilson as his WR1, which I don't think a single quarterback in the NFL would say no to that man. His WR2 is someone that he's been boys with for a hot minute. And now with the departure of Corey Davis from the New York Jets and just football in general to take care of his personal life. Um, you know, Corey Davis kind of had that WR2 position. And, and Lazard was essentially down to that WR3. Now we have a WR2 who already has rapport with, uh, with the quarterback. And if you want proof that that works, look at, I don't know, the 2000 Tampa Bay Bucks with Tom Brady and Ron Gronkowski. Because anytime things went wrong with, with Tom Brady and Mike Evans or Tom Brady and, and Chris Godwin or Tom Brady and whomever, guess what? He looked at Gronkowski. He hucked it out because Gronkowski was going to be there. He knows his stride. He knows his speed. He knows his wingspan. And Aaron Rodgers knows all those facts about Alan Lazard. So that is my wild card. And I think a very, very real opportunity. Now, I'm not just trying to sound like a Jets fan here and just try to pump them up. But in all seriousness, look at the moves that the Jets made in the offseason. Look at where they were at the end of last season. We agreed on this show that the Jets were only a quarterback away from the playoffs. And we said if they go out in the offseason and they make the move to go after somebody, they are going to be a force. And, well, they 
arguably went after the best quarterback in the NFL right now with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know, that's a very, that's a very solid, solid point there. The the one thing I will say is this, that, you know, the whole Taylor Swift thing, I'll I'll let, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a Swifty. I'm a, you know, but we're we're not going to, that's an episode of a, of a deep dive of another day. But, what I will say is this: Aaron Rodgers is in a position. He's thirty-nine, and essentially he took a thirty-five million dollar pay cut. and And I wrote an article, and when he explained why, and essentially he broke it down to two things: a, it was to show good faith to the Jets, and b, it was about bringing if the Jets, if Joe Douglas, and men wants to bring in talent, i.e., Dalvin Cook. Because when you reach the certain parts of your career, especially as a quarterback, you you understand that your value is not necessarily quantified in money. It's more so quantified in the experience that you bring and you know the leadership aspect. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need the money. If he made buku bucks for for nearly twenty seasons in Green Bay, he's made his money. It's not about money. So why not – he and like I say, two years, what, 75 minutes? He's not hurting on that either. No. He's fine. So he, he's good. So the question is, I look at Aaron Rodgers, the MVP candidate. Aaron Rodgers is in probably one of the tougher divisions because to me it's a three-team division. It's, it's Buffalo, it's the Jets, and Miami. Miami went out and addressed how bad they were defensively last year. They went out higher probably one of the better, better defensive quarters than Vic, Vic Fangio. They went out and addressed the defense, which I think was the Dolphins' Achilles heel. And I look at Buffalo. To me, Buffalo feels stagnant. And I know it's not a popular thing to say to Bills fans, but it feels like if Buffalo can't do anything this year, it makes you wonder what are we doing with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs because – you're not at this point. It, at this point, if you you know you have to you know they made an AFC Championship game, but when you're facing some guy named Patrick Mahomes, you know it, it can be a little bit difficult. And but all in all, I, I like that pick because of the fact that and and also their wide receiver three, I believe, is McCole Hardman. So and he's yeah. no slouch. <laughs> yeah, and so, they also have Randall Cobb hiding back there too. Yeah. So they're kind of four deep at that skill position. And then you mentioned the backfield. You mentioned this year the Jets have – there's pressure on Robert Sala. This is not just make the playoffs situation. This is you have – because, listen, Rodgers maybe has two years tops. I, I don't think he's going to do the Brady thing and play until he's 45. That's – I, I don't get that vibe from Aaron Rodgers. No. Any man who goes to a darkness retreat, I don't think it's going to play till he's 45 years old. That's just, you know, I'm not Dr. Phil anybody, but that's just my opinion. Or, or he might be because that he takes that darkness retreat. Maybe it uh, knocked a few years off his life. Yeah, well, or, or, excuse me, added a few to it. Yeah, well, you know, look, if he can still see where the ball is going in the light, I think you may have a point. But, so I, I kind of like that pick. Sticking on the pick train here, let's shift 
to Super Bowl. We always do the prediction. You know, I like to say that we've been pretty good at it. I think we we get at least one team right in there. So yeah, I know one. Yeah. I know. I, I know one year you had it. You know, one and then I. We I think I had the NFC and you had the AFC right. We just didn't have the matchup right. So, so that let go to show you that you know great minds think alike, but just you know just leave we'll leave it there. Now I alluded to the Chiefs and the history that they can make. I think Chris the AFC, I think you can agree, is heads and shoulders deep, deeper than the NFC. To me, hundred percent, the Chiefs aren't a lock because everybody in the AFC got better, especially the Jets. When I look at, we're talking the Jets are contenders, obviously the Chiefs. We'll just say outside of the Chiefs. We're looking at the Jets. We're looking at the Dolphins. We're looking at the Bills. We're looking at the Bengals, if we if we put them in that conversation. And, you know, you, you just kind of, you know, and we're looking, that's just like the top, that's kind of like the, the, the four teams there. You know, there's other sleeper teams, like Jacksonville could be a sleeper team. Because of the division they're in, they can easily slip in, low-key low make some noise. When it comes to this year's Super Bowl, I thought about this. And it's a sexy pick to go with Kansas City. And as much as I love, I think Andy Reid, is a, he's a Hall of Fame coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach. And he has a future Hall of Fame quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. He's on that trajectory. But to me, Chris, sometimes it's the uphill battle. I'm not saying the Chiefs are terrible. But here, a key factor, they, they, they may not have Chris Jones, one of the best defensive tackles in football. And one of the things, if you had to pick an Achilles heel of the Chiefs, it's the defense. Outside of Chris Jones, there's question marks. So that's why they kind of invested in the offense a little bit. We'll, 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 if we protect Patrick Mahomes, he'll make the plays. He'll bail us out. That, to me, is a concern. To me, I look at this, like I said, for the AFC, it's, it's either either one of two teams for me. Kansas City is one, and and I alluded, and people are gonna think, oh wow, but I listen. You know, Taylor Swift's on the on a billion dollar heiress tour. She's on a revenge tour. You know, she's on a tour, and she's not even done with the tour, by the way, because she's going across the world. But I'm not gonna nerd out once again. Episode for another day. So the Chiefs are right there, and another team I'm looking at. And it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I, I, I'm going to double down on it. You know, not yeah. I, this Baltimore Ravens team, I think is good enough to make a Super Bowl. And I know Lamar has struggled in the playoffs, and I get that. But Lamar is going to have a type of season, or should have a type of season, where he doesn't need the defense to be elite. If you look at the last couple of Super Bowl winners, Chris, Look at the scores of those Super Bowls. They haven't been exactly low scores. Oh, yeah, they've been they've been some fucking shootouts. So as great as that Eagles defense was last year, they gave up 38 points. And and we could argue maybe a call went the other way, but that's that's in the past. 
So defense matters, but if you have a an average defense, you, you give it like a top fifteen defense, you you can win a Super Bowl. So I, I like either Baltimore, I like Kansas City, and that wild card team. Listen, I said it once, I'll say it again: the Jacksonville Jaguars. I tell people, Trevor Lawrence, go look at go look at what he did last season, and he gets he he gets even he gets another weapon in Calvin Ridley, who I know very well. And you throw yeah. him in, you throw him in with Christian Kirk, you throw him in a healthy Travis Etienne. That defense is pretty good. It's like I said, they're a top fifteen defense. They can make a run. Now that's the AFC. My 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 official lock is the Baltimore Ravens, but those are three teams I like there. NFC, <sighs> Jesus, this to me. I have a hard time. It's the two-team race, maybe three. It's either the Eagles. It's either the 49ers and a sleeper team and people may not think about. I kind of like – should I say it out? Yeah, I'll say it out loud. A team – I'll give you the sleeper team, the Detroit Lions. Oh, the, the the NFC North changed dramatically with Aaron Rodgers' departure. That division could go anywhere. If Minnesota's right, and I like Minnesota, my question my question mark in Minnesota is: Can't what am I? Which Kirk Cousins am I going to see in the playoffs? That's my question. And I like everyone knows I've always loved Kirk Cousins, so we don't need to go back and find yeah. tape or anything. Hmm. Contrary to, we don't we don't need to dig through the. I've done what two hundred episodes. We don't need to go find those episodes and dig up any. Don't type in the name. Don't type in Sports World Podcast. Kirk Cousins. You guys, you guys got better things to do with your day. But to me, I look at this Lions team. No one's talking. About, we know how great they are on offense. But they feel like a team that if even if they don't make a Super Bowl, they're going to make the playoffs. But to me, because the NFC feels a little bit more open when we look at the Eagles and the 49ers, and it's kind of like it's it, it feels a little bit more open, especially when you kind of look at the NFC. You can look at the NFC West, even Seattle. Seattle is pretty good. But my my lock is this: give me the Baltimore Ravens, and give me because I love birds. Because I'm a Falcons fan, give me the. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Give me the Ravens and give me the Eagles to face off at Allegiant Stadium in beautiful Paradise, Nevada, which is assuming somewhere near Las Vegas. Yeah. Like I said, I was questioning on my geography about New York by somebody on this show, and which is why I was good in geography in, in middle school and high school. And then I got corrected by the guy who, you know, what? Here, here comes Hurricane Chris just rolling through. Yeah. And then me, I'm just the, yeah. But luckily I was well protected and stopped to, to protect myself against Hurricane Chris. Just remind you folks, be safe. <laughs> if you're safe out there, be safe. So the, so that's my luck, Chris. Uh, give me yours. If your um, Super Bowl prediction. 
So I'll start with the NFC and work my way to the AFC. So the NFC, I'm in agreement with you that there's only a couple really, really good teams that have the capacity to go far. Um, of course, option one is the Philadelphia Eagles based off of their performance last year. However, I think the difference in the AFC or excuse me, the NFC is now that the San Francisco 49ers are going to have a full season with Christian McCaffrey. They're going to have a Christian McCaffrey that's not going to be relied on every single down, every single play like he was in Carolina. You have Brandon Ayuk, you have Debo Samuel, you know, there's a lot of weapons. And then also San Francisco has the capability, unlike Carolina, to play defense. Um, So that's also a contributing factor to long-term success for Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think between the two teams, definitely, uh, definitely the Eagles have a clearer path, I think than than the 49ers do because if if you look at like the division so you you look at with the eagles for example you have the cowboys with them they'll be good in the regular season until the playoffs and then we already know what happens there um and then once they make it to the playoffs you know it just kind of fizzles out there um you have the commanders, which I think are in a situation that they are doing their best to try to make heads or tails of the situation. Uh, and then you have uh, the the Giants. And I think the Giants have a lot to prove. Um, and I think that they they have the most to prove in the, the division uh, with Daniel Jones and, and that whole situation there. But for the most part, the Eagles really have the best overall situation to run into the playoffs. You, you know, then you go out west and the 49ers immediately have the Seahawks. And, you know, have they, uh, as the, have they been saying, I'm, I'm in Seattle actually this very moment, let Geno cook. That's, that's what they're saying out here. And he has DK Metcalf. He also has Tyler Lockett, who, according to Pete Carroll, this is the best shape he's been in in five years entering the season. So you have a dangerous Tyler Lockett. And then once things get fizzled out uh, with this injury with uh, Ninjigba, uh, that's that's another scary receiver to have. So, I mean, you know, granted, you know, the Cardinals and the Rams are just problem. They're not even problematic. They're just a headache. But you know, um, they're 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 like they're like a nagging hangover. You, you wake up and you're just like, God, it's still here. And that's and that's and that's I think how the 49ers feel with the Rams and the Cards in that division. Um, you know, so I think that overall the Eagles will have an easier road. But I think both of those teams are very capable of going and representing the AFC. Uh, my. Wild card curveball, we'll call it, is in that NFC North division, but it is a little to the left of Detroit. And that is in the Minneapolis St. Paul market with the Vikings. I think that if Kirk Cousins want to, if he wants to solidify his greatness in the NFL and he wants to solidify that he is an elite, legendary quarterback. 
he need he needs to get into the playoffs deep, possibly win a Super Bowl. You know, um, I think that, and it's very well possible with the addition of TJ Hawkinson from last season, we saw immediate gains from that. Um, you, you know, you have Justin Jefferson, arguably the best wideout in the NFL right now. Um, you have uh, KJ Osborne as a very solid secondary. Unfortunately, my, well, you know, my boy, old reliable Adam Thielen departed ways, but, um, but he has a very realistic possibility. The question in Minneapolis is the defense, you know, what, what defense is showing up. And then the other thing, and everyone wants to, you know, talk, kind of ignore the elephant in the room, but we need to look at the situation with Kirk Cousins on Sunday nights, Thursday nights, and Monday nights. That's, you know, I mean, we, we've talked about the Madden curse and, and honestly, how, how goddamn real it is. Um, we need to talk about the, the Cousins curse on, on primetime play. Statistically, the dude hasn't done well. And we all know I'm a man of numbers, and that's how I prove year in and year out that Ohio State is a garbage team and that the Pac-12 is a garbage division um, because of stats and facts, not feelings and wants. Um, so it's the same thing with Kirk Cousins. I, I think that if he can play well under the lights and if the defense can come through the majority of the season, I think that they will be a force to reckon with. Cause like you said, the guardian of the North is, is the, the owner of the Chicago bears now lives in New Jersey. So, you know, I mean, th- that, that division's wide open. I think at this point. You know, going to the AFC, of course, your surefire picks are uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, it just mainly because of uh, of Patrick Mahomes. But now, you know, Patrick Mahomes relied heavily on Nicole Hardman. He relied heavily on Juju Smith-Schuster. Both of them are gone. You are now year two without Tyreek Hill, and your number one guy is an injury-prone man in Kadarius Tony. Now, if, if Kadarius Tony can stay healthy in which I want him to, he is a Gator. So I'm going to support him. But one of the, the concerns and, and we even talked about this in our fantasy league is I did not want to go after a trade for him because I was afraid of his durability. I was afraid of the longevity that I might get out of him. And he's already showing signs of, of physical stress and weakness two, what, two years into the league, mm-hmm. you know, and he, and he hasn't played a full season yet. That that's worrisome. If you're Patrick Mahomes, that's going to worry. And like you said, on defense, they're not exactly shutting teams down on the other side of the ball. They just happen to have the new England effect and they're able to shoot and, and hit more on the scoreboard than the other team. So, um, you know, another option in the AFC is the Buffalo bills. We talked about that. Just like you said, the, the, I think the Bills have the most approved this season. Everyone talks about how great they are, and they can't, they just can't get it at the end. They'll have a great regular season. They'll get into the playoffs and they go to the AFC title game and, and flunk the test. And they just, and they just get pushed down. And I think for Stefan Diggs to stay in Buffalo, they need, they need to do something. I, I really, really, truly think that they they need to get into the Super Bowl. I, I I think in my heart of hearts that if they do not make the Super Bowl this year, Stephon Diggs is going. You, you will see him in a new uniform next year. 
He's already kind of vented and expressed some frustrations about his lifestyle in Buffalo and, and how things are, are, are going there. And, you know, let's face it, the AFC East just got a hell of a lot more competitive with the defensive additions of the Dolphins and then half of Green Bay coming to, uh, uh, to MetLife. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the Jets now remember, I, I, I you know, funny story to, to, to sidetrack real quick. I was going uh, three weeks ago is, yeah, it was, it was uh, two weeks before my birthday. Um, I had to fly up to Buffalo for, for my regular job. And uh, I'm on the plane. I, um, I, you know, I catch a flight right out of uh, right out of our local airport, and uh, get my layover in Charlotte, and then get you know jump on the big boy jet to uh, to get to Buffalo. And uh, I'm sitting, you know, I'm I'm sitting in uh, in first class, and and we're all casually talking about football and things like that. And uh, I we go to you know the plane lands, and the hate the hate came, and it came fast. So. I popped the hatch above me, you know, the uh, the overhead storage to get my suitcase. And I've got my New York Jets tag on my suitcase. And the guy looks at me and he says, you're in the wrong part of New York, bud. And I said, I don't think this counts as New York. And of course, they don't like that coming as 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 a city native, as as a, a, a person that's from the city. We don't look at upstate New York as New York. New York is the city. And uh, so he kind of sees immediately that, uh, you know, that that where I'm from. And then he's like, so how bad do you think your team's going to do this year? I said, well, I think it'll be good enough. We can beat you guys again. And see, Buffalo fans have like this this like mental block that like maybe someone that went through like a traumatic event has that they kind of casually forget what happened. And I had to remind this guy that uh, that we beat them last year with Zach Wilson as quarterback. And the guy started getting just honestly just started turning into an asshole. And uh, the Bills Mafia started coming my way. And I was like, well, I guess this might happen. So it is what it is. And so I pulled my phone out. And again, facts, facts and stats matter. You know, it, it's it, it's just it's this thing with overrated teams, I guess. Um, and I showed him. I just pulled it right up on Google and reminded him the score. And I said, just remember, we beat you with Zach Wilson. We'll goddamn well do it with Aaron Rodgers. And, um, and and I and I I firmly stand behind that. Um, I think that again, my curveball pick is going to be the New York Jets. And I know I sound like a, just a psychopath about be, just because I'm a Jets fan and maybe I'm being biased. I've I've been very very crucial of them on this show many many times. I've been very crucial of the coaching decisions. I've been very crucial of the front office decisions. And I've been very crucial on the player decisions. Um, and I even said it last year that as, as, as much as I want to see Zach Wilson succeed, I said it last year, he needs to either go on the bench and we need to get uh, a veteran in to train him, or he just needs to get the hell off the team. And we need to go after a quarterback in the draft. Um, I, and we both, again, we'll circle back to last season. We said that the jets were a quarterback away from the playoffs. Um, I think that with that addition of Aaron Rodgers and that veteran experience of how to manage a game. Not just the physical capacity, but one of the things that you and I talk about of why Aaron Rodgers is so successful is his ability to manage a game, to be a cerebral quarterback. He doesn't need to be physical. He is. The dude can run. The dude can pass. And, and But most importantly, it's that third down, short snap, hard call that he gets the, the team to jump off sides and then he gets a free first down to work off of. 
that's what the Jets have now. And they have all the additions that they made in the offseason. They have a, a, a top five RB1 now uh, with Brees Hall. So they essentially, I would say, have arguably two top five RB1s on their roster. And then they still have their defense at the end of the day. Let's not forget about the Jets defense who caused holy hell and matrimony all around the league last year. And kept them in a lot of games that they shouldn't have even been in at the end of the day. So I, I think again the circle back. I have the 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 Chiefs and the Bills, and the Bills definitely have to. Otherwise, that organization is going to fall apart. But the team that also has a very realistic possibility is the New York Jets because they have they the Jets have everything to gain and nothing to lose. The media still shits on them. The, the social media still shits on them. Uh, you know, they, they're out to prove something now. And it was funny. I don't know if you caught the, uh, the game on Saturday, the, the preseason game with the jets and the, uh, uh, and the giants. I can't remember the guy's name. He's the defensive end for, uh, for the New York giants and Aaron Rodgers is under center or he's, he's in shotgun, gets the ball, throws it guy. He's already like five steps out and the guy just, just launches Rodgers pushes him. So he starts going, you know, Rogers opens his mouth at him and starts like, you know, come on, man. Like, you don't need to be like that. That has a few choice words. And then the guy starts popping off at, uh, at Rogers and Rogers just ice cold. He said, I don't even know who you are. And then, uh, and then the guy's like, I don't even know who you are. And he's like, bullshit. I'll show you. And like two plays later, he ends up throwing a touchdown to, uh, to Garrett Wilson. And of course he just, right up into his face and said, that's who I am. I'm here all night. I'm here all season. Just, just ripping into him. And, and that's, that's the energy that I think the Jets have been missing. And most importantly, they also have the leadership in the locker room now with, with Aaron Rodgers. And I feel that's something they lack with Zach Wilson. And I think the, the Thanksgiving debacle of, of, of Zach Wilson saying that it was his team's fault not his when it was his at the end of the day, no matter what it is, it's always your fault as a quarterback at the end of the day, that's the cross that you have to bear. So um, now to the Super Bowl, I, I, I know, like, I know you feel very strong uh, on, on the, the, the Ravens. I just don't see them. I don't know. I don't trust Lamar in, in, in the postseason. He hasn't showed, he shows Lamar reminds me a lot of a rod. He will give you, a lot of great plays in the regular season and then, and then comes the postseason, and then the postseason he just, he, he shuts down. And unfortunately that's something that, that has history has shown itself. Um, going, you know, going into it, into the final, like the, the actual Super Bowl heads up, I guess if I have to lay a prediction out right now, again, I'm going to sound like a psychopath uh, for the NFC. I'm going to go for the San Francisco 49ers. I think that they are complete on all three sides, offense, defense, special teams. They have a good head coach. They have a good uh, executive management staff. Um, I, I think that their debacle with Trey Lance is, is now that that's done and out of the way. Uh, I think that that will help and that will solidify the quarterback situation, maybe make Brock Purdy feel a little bit happier um, and, and they just have a realistic chance because of their, the, mainly because of Christian McCaffrey, they're already a good team without him. Now they have him and that's just so many weapons. And then maybe have a quarterback that can stay healthy for a whole season. That might be the key factor to San Francisco as well. 
Uh, on the AFC side of the ball, again, this is where I'm going to sound psycho and like a very complacent Jets fan. I I could see the Jets going to the Super Bowl. I I, I truly, truly do. If, if they could play defense like they did last year and if Aaron Rodgers can do what he's done day in and day out for all the years that he's been in the NFL, arguably this is probably the most stacked team that he's played on in his career. When Green Bay, he did have Randall Cobb and he, he did have Jordy Nelson. Uh, he did have Devontae Adams. You know, he did have a lot of talent. But when they had that, they would have like Cheeseburger Eddie as a running back, you know, being all being all tubby-wubby. Uh, so he, they had no run game. And then it was Aaron Rodgers was pretty much the run game. Now Aaron Rodgers has a youthful Brees Hall. He has a veteran Dalvin Cook who's very good at catching passes in the backfield. I know that because I've won a couple uh, fantasy football titles courtesy of Dalvin Cook's catches. Um, yeah, I sent some hate on that one, man. Boy, if looks could kill, Ladarius just shot me. Yeah. Ladarius yeah. just shot me. Yeah. Because uh, I think it was actually the year that I beat you in the Super Bowl where uh, we, that we, I had Dalvin Cook. We don't look. We, we, we are going to talk about that right now? Look, to be clear, it was more – Listen, I, I made the championship game. As, as an owner and general manager, I did better than what Jerry Jones has done the last three. I made it to a Super Bowl. <laughs> I proved that you can own a team and be the general manager, not let feelings get in the way, and make a championship. And listen, people are like, oh, you're coming to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, there's your you're 20 to 3. But you know where that 20 to 3 happened at? Have it in the Super Bowl. So, at least, at least doesn't matter, had sex. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, you didn't get it done. Listen, the job was done. She seemed to be satisfied. And she didn't have to like it because I did. And, kid, folks, that's the more you know. <laughs> but, no, I, no, re- realistically, I guess my pick, boil, boiling it down, summing it up, uh, Jets, 49ers in the Super Bowl. Um, it sounds crazy. Crazier things have happened. But, if, like I said, Aaron Rodgers has the leadership. He has the management skills. He has everything that a Zach Wilson-led offense did not have. Plus, they also have the addition of running backs that they didn't have. And then they still have their defense. I mean, it, this this is – if there's ever a time to win, it's right now. And I swear on everything holy in God. I know, like, three Jets fans in my whole life. If I see a fourth person running around wearing the gang green – I might, I might throw you in a large body of water tied to a cinder block. No fair weather friends, fans. We don't want you. You hated us before. You made fun of us like we were the the Forrest Gump and the butts with our little metal legs. Y'all can, y'all can just cheer from the, quietly from the sideline. And for the record, that man with those metal legs became an All American at the University of Alabama. Now, kept running and running uh, and running. And he just stopped. Folks, that's life. You keep running, you got to stop. But, you know, but to, to, to put a button on this and then talk a little college football and get out of here, to me, when I look at San Francisco, and I'll say this, to me, people look at the quarter position as the question mark. It's a fair question, but what I will say is this. I think the quarter situation is San Francisco you know, Brock Purdy was always, to me, going to win the job over Trey Lance based on what I've written, based on what i read, based on what I've – to me, Brock Purdy is not going to be asked to be an Aaron Rodgers. 
He's not going to ask to be a Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to ask to be a Lamar Jackson. Or he's not going to be asked to be a Justin Herbert. You know, these top elite quarterbacks. He's not going to be asked to maybe throw the ball as many times as we expect. He's not going to be asked to throw for 300 yards at least every game. He's going to be asked to make the smart plays, play within Kyle Shanahan's offense. And that, to me, is what the factor is. To me, it's about a quarterback playing within the offense. And when you talk about Aaron Rodgers, he has a familiarity with Nathaniel Hackett, who was his offensive coordinator at Green Bay. And you look at those things, and you you kind of go, the Jets are legitimate because, listen, a quarter, listen, a quarterback, we base a quarterback success and failure for different reasons. But what I will say is this, a quarterback is just as, as successful as the system he's being put in. And does it make him a system quarterback? Because people put that label on Tom Brady for years. No, Tom Brady was good. And you think about the Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady. Like, when you you have a great offensive mind with your quarterback, it works. If you don't believe me, if you think I'm making it up, go ask the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, Andy Reid gets it. People say, well, Bill Belichick's not an offensive guy. No, he had... A great off. Josh McDaniels was a heck of an offensive coordinator. Head coach, Verdict is still out on that. But to, to put a button on this, San Francisco to me is interesting because they can be that team to, to take and get that revenge and win the NFC Championship game, which I think they'll probably be a rematch, I think, in my opinion, there. To me, a health, the question is does a healthy Brock Purdy win that game? That's a question we'll never get answered. Because you'll have four nineers say, well, if Brock Purdy didn't get hurt and mess up his shoulder, we could have beaten Philadelphia. And I say, eh, no. You would have got close. It would have been an interesting game. But the reality is, I think Philly's the more complete team. But like I said, it's going to be a fun one. And then before we get out of here, speaking of fun, I did want to talk about college football because it's Chris's, Chris's favorite thing. He loves Ohio State. Big pack. Big Pac-12 guy, what's going to be left of it in the next two years, what was going to be the Pac-5 or whatever it's going to be. Whatever, I don't know what it's going to be left. The Pac and, useless is what it is. It's, boy, that's – the alignment, the SEC is going to look more – it's going to look like – that's probably breaking down like in the NFL. you got to start bringing up in divisions, four divisions. Because I think it's going to be that stack. But – or like even in, in, in the Big Ten as well. Talk a little college football here. You know, Chris's favorite team, Notre Dame, big win over over in the Emerald Isle, over there in Ireland, over in, over Navy. So that was week zero, all that. But I guess I want to talk about with entering this uh, this entering the college football season is I just all I, I I want to give that one take that I know Chris may or may not like. That's what I bank on. I do when I, when I talk, like. It's either going to be hit or miss. It's going to be no middle. It's going to be one way or the other. <laughs> when I look at this college football season, and, and this take Chris may like, I believe, you know, you know, you know, I, I have to apologize to a team. Now, and I really like them this year because they should, they've been pretty, listen, they must listen to me talk because I, it's been proven. If I talk about you on this show and call you out, People change. Go ask Kirk Cousins. When I went when I went down Kirk Cousins' throat, folks, America, what did he do? He made the playoffs. You're welcome. 
But going back to college, to me, Michigan. And I, I ragged Jim Harbaugh on this show so bad. I really did. To the to the to the love of Ohio State fans, but I look at Michigan this year. To me, when I look at teams with big, if Michigan cannot do two things this year, then I'm going to be disappointed. If they a can't win the Big Ten, get out. Just because I just when I look at Ohio State, as much as I love Marvin Harrison Jr who's going to probably maybe the first receiver taken off the board in the 2024 NFL draft. I, I look at the quarterback position. I, it's how sure are we there? He should be able to beat Ohio State. He should be able to play whoever is in the Big Ten championship game. That's that's number one. That's all kind of bundled to one. Number two, if Michigan does not at least make it to the national championship game, it feels like a lost season. People are like, oh, well, other teams have expectations? No. I keep hearing Michigan is back. You don't get back, in my eyes, until you make a championship game and you win a championship. That's why Jim Harbaugh was given all that money to come back to Michigan. Not just to – he couldn't even beat Ohio State when he first got there. That's why I say you run him out the door. He heard me talk. He said, well, hey, Darius is right. I got to beat Ohio State. That's what he did. Because you, you lose your job with, listen, it's like any company. Every company has a rival. If you can't do better, listen, you can have a terrible, terrible, but if you can do better than your competition, your job is safe, but not super safe. You're like, well, hey, you beat the competition. Look at baseball. Listen, look at the Red Sox and Yankees. Maybe a sore spot for Chris. Oh. But listen, but if you can beat your rival, it softens the blow a little. Like, it, 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 fire it, Cashman. Yeah, it's yeah. So, but 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 my point back to Michigan is this. Michigan to me has the expectations. To me, I was on I was high on USC last year and I still am. Other people on this show weren't because they don't they're anti-Pac-12 on this show. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, no. Let's, well, let's 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 not say I'm anti-Pac-12. Okay, no, let's, no, no. no. Let, let's let's just look at the statistical Ah, and factual go. information of the Pac-12. Well, no, okay. The, the, the Pac-12 has something in common with Snoop Dogg. And maybe it's because it's that whole West Side lifestyle. You put them in a bowl, they get smoked. Well, okay. But here's the thing. Yeah, well, I knew you were going to go that route. So here's my counterpoint. When I look at USC this year, USC could, is the one hope that the Pac-12 has before they move to the Big Ten. So I, I kind of feel like I look at Michigan, I look at USC, I like them. But I'll tell you a team who who who, who I really like, people may not talk about, or or they are talking about, oh, I'm just not listening. That that's that's very much well in the wheelhouse. And it, it kind of goes into the SEC. I, and, and I thought I'd never say these words on this show. I thought I'd never say it because of the of the antagonist aspect of my brain, which is minimal, but it gets it swells up when I talk about certain teams. Listen, I hate to tell people this, 
But Tennessee is really good. And look, I listen, I didn't I didn't want to believe it. But when I see Joe Milton and I see, go back and saw his stuff, like God, they they they, they could do something. Because the only question this in, in this Chris, and I'll let you wrap it up because I know I went too long in college football to get my my rants in for the day. Is when I look at Tennessee, I feel like in, in the in the SEC to me, it if Georgia somehow or another go if they pull a MJ and they go back to back to back, I think we got to start having some conversations, Chris, about Kirby Smart. Yeah. And people are like, oh, well, he's not better than Nick. Listen, a lot of Nick Saban protégés, I'm not going to say they were cheeks. I'm not going to say they were terrible. But people thought, oh, well, Jimbo, yeah. But, folks, what Kirby Smart could potentially do this upcoming college football season, he could be the guy. We're like, well, who's the second best? Well, you know, who's the best coach in college football? It's Kirby Smart. People are like, listen, the offense doesn't have to be great. He lost some stuff in the draft. He, I mean, did you did you see the first round of the draft? Did you see the draft? An NFL team basically went from Georgia to other parts of the NFL. He has an NFL team. He built it well. Like, oh, well, I don't care if Carson Beck, Carson Daly, Beck the singer. I don't care who's quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is going to be good as long as the defense is good and they have a solid run game. That's literally the formula. Because with Alabama, no Bryce Young. I believe it would be Jalen Milrow. I'm not exactly sure on that. We'll probably be the success. Are we really sure about that? Are we really sure? But, But my overriding point is this, and I'll turn it over to you, Chris, to wrap it up. When I look at this college football season, to me, it's about two storylines. It's about can Georgia do the unthinkable? If they go in the era where you're seeing transfers left and right flying, in an era where you're seeing teams as, you know, it feels like anybody, you know, multiple contenders. If Georgia can make it back to the national championship game and beat the brakes off somebody like they did TCU, listen, Kirby Smart, we're talking three championships. He's pretty much near halfway to Nick. I think Nick has seven. And and I kind of feel like Kirby's going to be around 10 years from now. And I don't tell how many he's going to get from them because Nick's going to be like, listen, I don't want to. Nick is going to be like Danny Glover. He's going to get too old for it. He's going to be like, listen. I'm but in another headline, look, Caleb Williams, USC. Chris, if he wins the Heisman, he, my question is, is he going to go in the NFL? Is he, is he going to leave school knowing that he could potentially go to maybe the Arizona Cardinals? Even if they have Kyler Murray, you're, you're still taking Caleb Williams. And you'll figure out the stuff later. Like, do you want to do what Matt Liner did all those years ago? Stay in school, 
had a, had a lock. I think he went back to same school. Alex Smith went number one overall. I think it was that draft class. Yep. And Matt Leiner came out the next year, and I think Matt Leiner fell to, ironically, the Arizona Cardinals. So, Reoccurring trend. But enough of me ranting. That's probably the last thing I'll say before I do the outro. Chris, your thoughts on college football, some of the games. I know you want to talk about some of the games coming up and some of your overall thoughts. We'll put a button on the show. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we got a lackluster uh, start for the season with uh, Notre Dame and, and Navy. That was a great um, game. You talk about. Yeah, yeah, 42 to 3. Yeah, that was a great game. And the Navy, I think, had zero passing yards total. That's not it's, important. It's, it's, it's just, it's another, another gimme game to pad the stats of Notre Dame to put them in a position to go in the playoffs just to get outright mauled by a decent team. And, and again, stats and facts have proved that time and again. Um, so I've seen a lot of predictions um, coming from the, the analysts the, the, on SEC Network and ESPN and this and that. And uh, USC has been talked about a lot. USC was talked about a lot last year. And USC was talked about the year before that and the year before that. And they, they keep getting talked about. You know, yeah, they, they were good in 2005. They had a good team. I'll give them that. But that's about it. Um, you know, the chances of them, they struggle against Oregon. They struggle against Stanford. They struggle against Utah. If we're going to talk about the Pac-12, the only team that I honestly respect in the Pac-12 is Utah. Uh, you know, and, and the Gators will be playing them tomorrow night with an 8 o'clock kickoff. Utah is, I feel, the only reputable and respectable program in the Pac-12. Oregon is beyond overrated. The only reason they're talked about is because the owner of Nike went there and they have cool costumes and a cool basketball court and all these flashy, fancy pants, uh, uh, the boys-esque type, uh, co- you know, superhero costume uh, uh, uniforms. Outside of that, o- Oregon is overrated. You put them in a bowl, they get smoked. If you don't believe it, go back to the first playoff when they got outright crushed. Um, another team that's been talked about is Michigan. See, I respect Michigan. I like Michigan because they beat Ohio State and they ruined the hopes and dreams of Ohio State fans. And that makes me like them that much more because any time that Ohio State loses, it, in the words of Ice Cube, it's a good day. And, uh, you know, Michigan, you're right what, of, of what you said, Ladarius. Uh, Harborough has a lot on his plate. He has to do something. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is, is that there have been situations where other teams have won the Big Ten championship and then get overlooked in in the playoff picture or the or the the title game picture because the oh so great godly Kirk Herbstreet dick riding Ohio State they have to force them in to lose again. They've lost more national titles than they've won, and if you don't believe it, check the stats. Um, and so I, I believe that Harborough is fighting an uphill battle with that because he has to. He has to beat Ohio State. And then even when he does, he still gets criticized about it. And then they still try to put Ohio State ahead of him in the playoffs or in, in the head in the rankings, even with a, a a win over them. And it just doesn't make a damn bit of sense. But it's because of just the – like, it's almost like nepotism. You would think that, like, the the half of the, the college selection committee 
has to be alma mater or related to somebody at Ohio State because the rankings year in and year out are so blown out of proportion. So, yes, Michigan does have a lot to prove, uh, uh, and they have to do something. Um, on the other side of that coin, like you said, Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs are in a very precarious position. They've gone back-to-back. Can they be the early 90s or late 90s Bulls? Can they hit that three-peat? Can they get the trip? If they can do that, now there's a very, very deep and dark conversation that we have to have that maybe Nick Satan isn't the man. You know, and like you said, uh, Kirby, I think he could stick around the league for a little bit. He's not, uh, he's no spring chicken, but he also isn't one foot in the grave. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, there definitely is some opportunity ahead with him. And I think that there, if, if, if there's an opportunity for it right now is the time at the end of the day, I think, um, as much as I, I dislike Georgia as a Florida fan, to see them go and three-peat it, uh, it would be cool. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, um, you know, but I, I can't really think of a team uh, that's gone to three-peat, uh, you know, and won. Um, uh, I can't think of any in modern history. I mean, I'm literally like rolling through my memory bank now. I can't tell you a, a college team that's repeated. So if Ladarius, if, if when we do our stat correction after the show, if you find one, let me know. Cause I, I don't, I don't recall a team doing it. So if he does that, Jesus Christ, dude, that's scary. Cause the, so to bring, I mean to cut you off, but one team, but we have to go back, Chris, we have to go back to the, to, uh, we have to go back to another now Big Ten team for that. It says Minnesota was the last team to win three national championships in a row. That was from 1934 to 1936. <sighs> now, Man, I, now, I want you to guess how many teams have had the opportunity to win three straight titles but all fell short. Just how many teams oh, have fallen short? Has fallen short. Like they lower. Ten. Higher. Fifteen. Lower. Thirteen. There you go. All right. Wow. I think okay. I, I think we did a tribute to Bob Barker that we played the, the yeah. high low oh, game. Oh, dude. Yeah, man. R.I.P. Bob Barker. We, that, we did, that, did the we did the high low game just for you, Bob. Just for you, man. Just for you, dude. Because we don't have a wheel to you know a state of the art wheel. We're working on it to. We're talking with budgeting, you know, the budgeting committee to to get a big, you know, showcase will and we'll, but that's our showcase. But yeah, but thirteen teams have had chances to win three consecutive national champions, national titles. Most recently was Alabama back in twenty fourteen. Yep. But Alabama fell short. That's we have to go back a whole nother century. <laughs> yeah. For what we're about to see. And that's why I say that's a major storyline to me. Oh, absolutely. I, and, because, and you're going to have everybody gunning for them. When you put that much attention on yourselves, you become a heat seeker. 
Yeah. And everybody wants the ability to say, I knocked the Georgia Bulldogs off the three-peat capability. Yeah. And I, and I think, yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting. And, and before we go, it's, just, it's simply like this, and I'll say this before we put a button on it. I think we look at what makes it even more impressive, I think I mentioned it earlier, is that when we're seeing these transfers, we're seeing these NILs, I'm like Colorado under Deion Sanders, all those like these player transfers, you're seeing you're going to see a lot of old faces with new teams quarterback wise this year. Like you're going to see Keaton Slovis for BYU, for example. That's just an example. You're going to see a lot. You're going to see Spencer Sanders somewhere in that Oklahoma State. But for Georgia to be this good and to win it three, three times in a row, it's it, it's you put it in that conversation of Jordan's because even like back in the day when Jordan won the three peat like the last play, we're talking Celtics, <laughs> like we're talking yeah. Celtics Lakers stuff to yeah. go to win the three peat. So, and there's a lot more moving parts in college football. Yeah, you know it, because you know in the NBA or the MLB or even the NFL, it really doesn't like your record matters but it also brackets you based off of your division you know with college you have to have a great record you essentially have to win your conference but then the other problem that you have in college ball is you have to have people like you yeah and and, and that know? yeah that's the part i mean to cut you off i'll say yeah that's the part that it's, it's interesting because listen I, i've never been i say i'm always i always feel people should have a voice in certain things but the reality is, is that, you know, I'm glad with the committee we're going to expand to a 12-team playoff. But but when you have – I always, always call it the human element. I, I always call it the human element, you know, when I talk about making certain decisions. And I use baseball. And the one memory that comes to my head before we go, because I know we're, we're going over, is that play where Armando Galarraga played for the Tigers. And he was one pitcher – he was one out away from a perfect – was a perfect game or a no hitter? I believe it was a perfect game. And the, there was a ground ball. You could see Galarraga ran to first. He, he came off the mound, tagged the bit. Everybody in the stadium saw that the ball beat, the throw beat the runner. And the umpire said, save. And you could, it, it's like the human element. And he, you know, he, he apologized after the game, doesn't change the moment. Yeah, but <laughs> but but it alludes to your point where you have humans and they're voting on things like this. Yeah. But the reality is this. If Georgia has I think is universally, they're gonna be a top two team. Some people will still put somebody over them. It's the way it works. But the reality is this. If we see Georgia do something special this year and do that, I think it, it makes Nick Saban wonder, man, how long can I keep doing this? It's, yep, not gonna, it's not going to. It's not going to take away his legacy as a coach. He he's still going to be in the pantheon of great all time oh, football head yeah. coaches, but he's at the point of his career where he's like, yeah, I, I'm not going to get fired. He's he's in that Bill Belichick situation where he's not going to get fired. Yeah, like because he's not going to have like a five and seven or. Yeah, but it's it's still not going to make you feel warm and fuzzy at the end of the right. day, right? Because at some point you want to win and be successful. Yeah, if he feels that he can't do it, or he's like, you know what, it's not worth the headache like it was, like 15, 20 years, years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, it's like I, I, 
I can retire and they can bring in that they had Tommy Reese, the offense corner. He could be there could be plenty of people who that job is coveted. So so with that being said, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of the Sports of the World Podcast. You can listen to this episode, every episode of the Sports on the World on the World Podcast, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out all season long. We're gonna it's gonna be NFL. We're gonna talk college. It's a great time of year. Fantasy. And then I wasn't well, yeah, I'll let him say that. We're gonna talk fantasy. In fact, we have a draft coming up, I believe, Sunday, I believe. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So and, and for me, it's my I, I did the math. I have three in Sleeper, and I have two. It will be two in Yahoo, and I'm in a couple. I think I'm in an Eliminator League too. Yikes, so, boy. So I will be I'll be busy, like a lot of you like a lot of you guys will be. I'll be busy. You know, it's good. People, you know, I'll be owning and GM a lot of teams. I, I would kind of feel like a, I, feel, I kind of like Jerry. You know, not Jerry. Who owns a lot of teams? Like Stan Kroenke. I'm owning a lot of teams, so just bringing out championships and things like that. But with that being said, we look to enjoy your company right back here next week. And until you hear us again next time, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe. We're all here from the sports and the world podcast. See ya.